0: So I'm going to make a little service announcement. There's going to be a, in the next coming week, starting this morning, there's going to be a slight shift in my ABF. Um, I still want to and intend to keep the opportunity for, for Q&A. I think it's important that I'm held accountable for what I teach. I think it's important that um, if I'm not clear or if I say something wrong, that people have an opportunity to push back or challenge. But um, in the last couple of weeks, we've been sort of going further and further and further afield. And there's always leftover stuff that didn't make the sermon. So what I'm actually going to do is prepare, moving forward, material that if there aren't germane, relevant questions, we can go to. So And I, sometimes I, and I appreciate it. Sometimes I think some people ask a question just to help me out because it's getting really awkward. And... So we will always make room for questions. We're going to try to help them focus on what we've been talking about, the message, things like that. And I might say, hey, that's a great question. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But there will always be room. for for pertinent, germane questions. But additionally, there'll be additional material. So like this morning, um, if we have time, one of the most difficult harmonizations in the New Testament is harmonizing the resurrection accounts. And so um, that's where we'll go if there aren't a ton of questions. If there are questions, good questions, we'll, we'll hold up on that. But I will have material ready to go further each Sunday in the event that, you know, there just aren't a ton of questions. So that's a subtle shift. I'll make this announcement a couple more times. But um, so this morning, with that said, do we have people with microphones ready to? Oh, Lee and is Simeon still here? It, okay. So with that said, Dan's got a question. It's better to be on topic, Dan.
1: Always. Just to clarify, if you could, verse 13: Yes. Two of them, who is the them again?
0: That's, we're going to deal with that next week. The them has got to be the apostles, not okay. um, the women, because the name of the person's is masculine. Okay. So, no, no, it's not the near antecedent, though. The, because Peter is the most near antecedent, but you can't refer to Peter as them, right? Um, so before that, the nearest antecedent is the apostles. These words seemed, verse 11, to them, like idle words. So the nearest antecedent pronoun that agrees in number and gender is verse 11's them, which is the apostles and the others. So that's, no, good, good question. Good question. Anything else? Greg Sweet. Oh, preacher of the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so few this week too, Greg. I know. Um, in 2, two 3 mm-hmm. Yeah, early on. I caught that about 10 minutes after I passed that point, went back and said it, but, but it, was, it was once and it was after the fact. Early on. Early on. Thank you. But I totally missed it when we were on that point, so fair enough. Completely fair enough. Um, any other blanks? Lee?
1: A blank, but... Um, When it was talking about uh, the Mary that was the mother of James, which James and which Mary, and is this not surely not Jesus' mother?
0: No. I believe it's James and John. I mean, part of that is these are some of the more common names, the ones who are called Bonares, the woman who went and petitioned Jesus that her sons could sit in the right and left of him. I believe it's that Mary. But Mary and James and John are very, very, very common names, which is part of the reason why we get what we refer to as the disambiguation. Mary... The mother of, so-and-so, you know, um, Joseph of Arimathea, right, whereas Cleophas is just Cleophas, not a very common name, so we don't need to disambiguate, yep, oh, all the way in the back,
1: okay, Uh, on the (coughs) the B on the top one, uh, one B, yeah, I put found perplexing, and it doesn't sound right to me,
0: what the woman found perplexing, So it's right, and I just... Maybe it's just my awkward phrasing, that could be it. Um, I'm trying to draw attention to the fact that... it's definitely my
1: mind, not yours. No,
0: no, 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 no. Trust me, it's a very disorderly mind. Um, No, because Luke's telling of it emphasizes what they found, what they did not find. So they found the stone removed, but they did not find the body of the Lord. And those two findings left them perplexed. So I suppose smooth, see some part of this is economy. I gotta make things fit on one line so they don't go down to the next line and jump off the page, so we don't have double-sided notes. So if I were to say it really clearly, you would say what? In fact, I had a draft. It was what the woman found and did not find that left them perplexed. Now that would be much clearer. It would just take up two lines on the insert. We can't have that. So, oh, Dan again. It's, relevant. it's okay. It's relevant. <laughs> Since
1: this was the tomb of a wealthy man, wealthier Mm -hmm. Joseph of Mm Arimathea, any guess or indication on how big? Was this big enough, you know, because they were taking the spices and the wrappings. I mean, they were going to do this. Is big enough that they would have room
0: inside the tomb? Yes. And uh, we don't get that from the Bible, but from archaeological records, yeah, it would be large enough for a couple people to get in. And potentially large enough for a couple bodies to be composing at the same time. Um, So... I mean, there's, there's guesses. We don't even know for certain if we found the tomb. I mean, the Roman Catholic Church has a, has a chapel where they insist it is the tomb. That might be right. It might not be. We, we really don't know. But certainly, these women weren't planning on moving the body. So they were planning on doing their work, presumably in the tomb, together. So we could presume it was a large enough tomb that four or five women, six women, could get in and be doing things in its midst. Greg, microphone. Well, other indication uh, regarding the tomb, the, the stone that was in front of the door was so big that it was not presumed that the women could move it or any human could move it right. by themselves. Right. As we'll see, in one of the parallel accounts, the women themselves are wondering, who are we going to get to move this stone for us? <laughs> so it's, it's a big enough stone, which would presume a big enough entrance, that you would, they would need help. So as much as they prepared the spices, there's a certain amount of... Exactly how would he get the stone out of the way? Um, that they, they had to figure out. So yeah, that's, that's an indicator as well, Greg. Yes. Oh, Sarah, the microphone. I was wondering this last week, and I continued wondering it today. Um, the women, they didn't prepare
2: the body the day he died. And that's normally what would, what would, would have happened, right?
0: Right. So in the accounts... They here's so go back to the end of 23. Now, this is good getting the, t- the the chronology, and in fact we'll be dealing with chronology a fair bit the rest of this morning. Um, so at the end we get it was verse 54 of verse 23. So Joseph Vermathea goes and asks for the body. So he's the first person to have access to the body when Pilate gives permission, and he takes the body straightway to the tomb. So part of the problem is the women don't have much time or access. The women see him taking the body and they follow him. So in verse um, 54, it was the day of preparation. The Sabbath was beginning. So this is all happening because once the sun sets, it's Sabbath. So presumably it's something like sunset. The sun is setting. The, t- the time is drawing close. Um, it was the day of preparation. The Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Then they returned and prepared the spices and ointments. So they don't have them already made. they got to mix them. And by the time they're done mixing them, it's full-on Sabbath. They can't. That. It was the time issue at that point. Yes. Yes. In fact, one of the things that I, I marked on, remarked on last week was that we might be tempted to think, obey God and his law, do loving, kind deeds. And if there's ever a case for, you know what, I know it's the Sabbath, but we're going to go anoint Jesus' body, you'd think that would be the case? No, the text honors them for honoring the Sabbath, and because they honor the Sabbath, it sets up why they show up at the crack of dawn. What we get is these women are very zealous. The second it's legal, according to the law of Moses, them to be there, they're there. As dawn is cracking and breaking, they're showing up ready to go. And in their faithfulness to the law of Moses and, the, and the, the Sabbath commandment, which we're no longer under, but in their faithfulness to that that they were under, it sets them up to be the witnesses and the first evangelists to the resurrection. So anytime we think we have to choose between loving people and being kind and doing good deeds and obeying God and his law, we've got a false dichotomy. And, and so we may feel at times tempted to do one or the other but it never really is the case. These women are doing the best they can do precisely by trying to honor Jesus' dead body and keeping God's law. And they get blessed for it. So that's, that's the chronology. And then that's what Luke uses as the link to start 24 at the crack of dawn. Yes. Ooh, Linda.
1: Okay, so that was kind of one of the questions I had. So to follow up on that, because in John's account, it says that he was accompanied by Nicodemus... And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, mm-hmm. and the two of them wrapped it and placed it in the tomb according to Jewish burial customs. So really, the spicing, if you want to call it that, had already been done the sure. night before. So the women were just going in the morning because the, and cause they followed them, so they had did they not see the men do it the night before?
0: Okay, you're getting ahead of me, but okay. You're harmonizing. I would simply say either the women didn't see that happen because first it's the wrap of the body, then they'd apply the spices, and they, want to, they know the Sabbath is getting ready to start. So presumably once they see, I imagine, once they see where the body's laid, we better hurry if we're going to get those spices ready. And they bolt, and oh no, it's too late. And they don't see that, whereas Joseph and Nicodemus could finish the job, being ready on hand, or they could have seen that and thought, "We want to additionally they just over the to top because they honor his body." To, okay. Yes, I don't know which of those two options it is. Both would seem valid. Um, okay.
1: Well, I don't know because they had the men had seventy five pounds
0: of spices. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's a lot. Okay. I mean, so they're really. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. Lucas.
3: All right, so this answer is from the message. It's in John 19. It's about the crucifixion of Jesus. He was rescued from the chosen Why He says, well, the message they say it's about the crucifixion is Jesus when he is still taking out the tomb. When the tomb was still empty, there's no room in the cross because it's in Luke 14, and it says about scoffing Yes, sort of like when Jesus was being praying in the tomb. And in Job 14, he answers all those concerns In the scriptures from Luke. And now he says he was um, being glory in him, and now he is still wise, and he was saying a question and saying is in the book of Job is when for all those saints who are those who are wise in Colossians 6, it means it goes in the spirit, it goes in the
0: spirit. Okay. Thank you. Anything else? Let us begin to harmonize. If you think of any... Que- you'll have questions of the harmonizing. But if you have other questions, you can, we can stop. But I want to... I printed off the other relevant texts so we can look at them. So I want to draw your attention to the difficulties. I don't want to dodge the difficulties. And I was telling Pastor Daniel this morning, I'm going to try to harmonize the, uh, the resurrection accounts. He said, oh, that's probably the most difficult thing to harmonize in the Bible. He said, you're going to be there to help out? He said, yeah, probably not. So, so even though most of his youth are practicing for the musical... Pastor Daniel's nowhere to be found. Okay. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. You guys were so rough on him last time that he just didn't want to come back. I listened to the tape. I know. Okay, so let's look at Luke 24, and then we'll move through the others, and I'll try to show you um, what the difficulties are. It, it, it does us no favors to dodge the difficulties and then try to resolve them. So, Luke 24. <clears throat> Um, So one of the things you've got to focus on is when, the timing. So Luke, verse 1, at early dawn or first dawn. Who? It's a group of women, plural, right? How many angels does Luke record? There's two angels, right? But only one speaks, right? The tomb's empty. The women return. Who goes and tells the apostles? The women he names them at that point. they get named in verse ten when they go report to the apostles. Um, unless they're saying it in unison, I'm assuming i mean I guess they could both be saying simultaneously um i have read I read it because only one speech is taking place that one of them is speaking for the men, just like you could greet a group of people and they said to him, "You know what i mean i could no I could be wrong on that but The speech looks like the speech of a person. It is conceivable they simultaneously and in perfect synchrony say this. Or it's also possible that one of them said, and then the other adds it in. Fair enough, fair enough. That's what you got to hold me, press me on when I make implications. And then who goes and reports a, a plurality of women? So now let's go to Mark 16. Now, what all the accounts agree on is they agree on an empty tomb. They agree on it's women or a woman who goes to the tomb. They agree on an angel speaking. Um, those, those are all in agreement. So Mark, verse 1 of 16, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices. No mention of Joanna or Salome. No, Salome. sorry. No answer, of Joanna. And very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, so Luke, first dawn, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? So there's the reference to it being a big stone. Um, And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Quite right, Greg? And entering the tomb, they saw... A young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen, and he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Okay? Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Now, after... well I'll wait for you guys to get there. Sorry. I got it on one page, so I can just start. But I'll give you a second to catch up. If you've got a smartphone, you're already there. But, um, or you're playing Angry Birds, one of the two. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to see the tomb. Behold, there's a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So Mark's got a young man in the tomb. Here's an angel on the stone, okay? His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. So now we've got guards here. And the angel said to the women, "'Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen.' And he said, "'Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you.' So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, "'Greetings!' And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him.' Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Then, let's go to John. If that isn't complicated, John will make it much trickier. Um, John 20, 1 through 10. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb, both of them running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So what we've got is an issue of who? John, Mary Magdalene. Mark, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James. Matthew, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. And Luke, of course, <clears throat> Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women. We've got an issue with the timing. So Luke has at early dawn, Matthew has toward the dawn, Mark has when the sun had risen, and John has while it was still dark. Then we got the question of angels, two angels, one angel, where is the angel, on the stone or in the tomb? And you start to see the potential difficulties. I I think some of them are less significant than others, I'll try to start working through some of these. First, let's deal with the situation. Luke lets us know there's a group of women who go to the tomb. And so when we try to deal with the timing, here's what I want to suggest. John's focus is on Mary Magdalene. And so if there's a group of women going, unless they are going together in a group, if they say, let's meet up at the tomb, one of them has to get there first, right? If that's Mary, that might explain why it's still dark. Because the time between darkness and the sun being up can be, what, 10 or 15 minutes, right? This, this is a 20 minute walk from Jerusalem. I don't think there's a big issue with the timing. If John's focusing on the first person to arrive, and it's still dark, and yet Matthew is focusing on the group of them showing up, he's got plural women, and it's towards the dawn. Mark's got the sun had risen. If, if, if we're in that 10 or 15 minute period between darkness, breaking dawn, and the sun up, I, I think we're dealing with maybe 15, 20 minutes of time. And surely, it's reasonable to think they didn't all show up at exactly the same moment. They don't have watches that have down to the minute. They, they have sundials. And so basically, I imagine they said something, let's meet up at dawn at the tomb. And so if you can grant that these women showed up over a period of 10, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, I don't think there's any big problem with the timing. Any questions on the timing? I just want to deal with the difficulties one at the time. Pardon the pun. On the timing. Are you satisfied? I mean, in other words, I don't want to... Don't don't want to pitch something you're not buying. Does that explanation that, hey, is it reasonable to think they arrived over a period of 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, and thus you could accurately speak of all three conditions at that time. Any any pushback on that? Okay. You guys are good with that. Okay. Next question. How many people went to the disciples? How many people went to the disciples? I'm taking these in odd order. Because John simply has Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene has no reference to the angelic message, Right? Mary Magdalene, in fact, her message is they have taken the body of the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they laid him. Okay? So I'm going to suggest, here's the scenario. Mary shows up first. It's dark. And as the sun begins to rise, and she sees the tomb is empty. She comes to the conclusion they've taken Jesus' body, and she goes straightway to the apostles. She misses the angel. She misses the appearance of Jesus. She goes straight to the apostles. And she reports to them what John has her report. She got there first. She's shocked by what she finds, and we've got to tell them, and she goes. Then, over the next few minutes, the other women show up. They have their encounter with the angel. We'll get to whether there's one angel, two angels in a minute. And they go back and report to the apostles, and presumably arrive before Peter and John get up and bolt out of there. So Peter and John get the first report from Mary Magdalene, and then maybe 10, 15 minutes later, the rest of the women show up, fill in the other information, and they go. It's also been suggested, I read one report, that had Peter going twice. That seems unlikely to me. So here, so Peter went out with the other disciple. There's no mention in John. He immediately went. So Mary Magdalene comes, gives this report, Peter goes and checks it out. Nothing would conflict with that with and falling behind her 15 minutes later, the rest of the women with the other report. Okay? Any you guys copacetic with that? Okay. Then we got to get to how many angels. And where are the angels? So Luke doesn't tell us where the angels... Well, Luke says near them, right? Luke has, behold, two men stood by them. So Luke just has them roughly in their vicinity close enough that you can say by them. Matthew has an angel of the Lord rolled the stone back and sat on it, Matthew 28.2. Mark has um, a young man sitting on the right side dressed, dressed in a white robe. So, you got two angels, but they're in different locations. So I don't see any real problem here. So, so Luke says there are two angels near next to them. And on top of a stone and in the tomb, I think it's close enough that you could say, yeah, they're in... near us, next to us. And then what we have is the angels actually saying different things, right? So you've got two accounts that are nearly identical in Matthew and in Mark where differing from Luke where we... say, Let me read that. Um, Matthew. Do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here for he has risen and he has said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So the emphasis on go to Galilee, that's where you're going to see him. Completely absent from Luke. Mark is very similar to Matthew. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. Therefore, there you will see him just as I told you. So, so Matthew and Mark are very, 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 very close And Luke is a bit of the outlier, to which, Jacob, this gets back to your question. What if both of the angels at various times talk, and Matthew and Mark are very accurately reporting what one of the angels said, whether it's the angel in the tomb or the angel on the stone, and Luke is reporting what an angel or another angel said at a different time? it's not a problem to have the angels either repeating this or, given their astonishment and fear, saying it three or four different ways. you got women who are so terrified, they're bowing their faces to the ground. Guys, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He's raised like he said he would. Go tell the disciples that he's gone off to Galilee. And then you could, no, seriously, it's it's okay. And you could go on speaking um, and, and record and recount all of that. Any, any questions on the speech of the angels and how many angels there are? Um, yes, Jacob. You're going to make this difficult, aren't you, Jacob?
2: The, and this maybe goes to your timing issue, but yeah, yeah. so if you want to pass it off. Or, mm. um, the thing I'm having the most trouble with is the stone. Uh, in Matthew, it says that Mary... Magdalene and the other Mary mm-hmm. saw the angel roll it away in an earthquake. And then in...
0: Where does it say that?
2: Um, Matthew 28, Behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. So that, unless you interpret that differently, I'd take that to mean Mary Magdalene and the other Mary saw the angel descend and roll back the
0: stone. No, I don't, I don't. It doesn't say they saw it. It just says behold, right? So we're left with them going to the tomb because we've got to deal with the fact that there's no Roman soldiers when they get there. There's no interaction with the women and the soldiers whatsoever. And the event that causes the soldiers to fall on their faces of dead men is the angel coming. So if Luke's saying, okay, the women go to the tomb. Now behold, an angel came down and did this. Then it sets up, in other words, I don't see any reason grammatically why the two can't be almost simultaneous events. While the women are going to the tomb, behold, an angel comes down and rolls up the tomb. They get there and see the angel on the stone.
2: The, the only thing grammatically, and I'm not saying it f- yeah, yeah. has to be this way, but yeah, yeah. Y- you get the beginning uh, in verse 2, right? oh, sorry, verse 1, yep. the women are, they went to see the tomb, right? Then you get this description of the earthquake, the angel descending, rolling back the stone, uh, the guards tremble and become like dead men. Then, verse 5, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. So you get the initial idea of the women being there, then the stuff happening, and the angel says to the women, who presumably are present now, uh, I on the first reading I would think, they were
0: present for the whole thing. No, no, I, I think that's by itself a viable reading. I just don't think it demands that. And harmonizing with the others. So behold is to the reader, not to any person there. Behold, aha, suddenly this angel comes and does this. Here's his interaction with the soldiers. Here's his interaction. With, but to the women, he said this. The but being sort of in contrast. We know the soldiers are long gone. So I think we're summarizing a significant event. An angel shows up. Here's his interaction and the consequence with the soldiers here's this interaction and consequence of the women, I will freely grant your reading by itself is just as viable, if not preferable. All I'm saying is we harmonize. Nothing is disagreeing with the text to say, actually, Matthew's summarizing this thing with the angel's interaction. So I get what you're saying. All I'm saying is what I'm suggesting doesn't in any way violate the grammar of the text.
2: Right. No, no, yeah. Fair enough. Agreed. standard actually says that
0: the earthquake had occurred. Oh, Behold, a spirit earthquake the, of the Lord from heaven. Ooh, past tense. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look that up in a minute. I haven't I hadn't fully translated all of Matthew and Mark and John, just just Luke for this morning. So. Um, so, I don't know if I've covered all the difficulties there, so throw in if you have additional questions. But I, this is one of the harder things to get to line up it 's not by any means impossible, and there 's multiple <coughs> proposals people have put forward on how best to, to synchronize it but part part of part of what 's going on, as I was saying with Luke this morning and why i I did the focus I did is each of the gospel writers is drawing attention to things, so Luke evidences at the beginning of acts he 's got plenty more material he could have included. Um, Jesus appeared in many other ways, but he just highlights these, and so his focus seems to be the slow, dawning conclusion of the apostles, the transition from guys who don't believe the report all the way to the people boldly proclaiming an Acts, And so he's highlighting the material he wants to highlight to make that point. Presumably, the other gospel writers are doing that as well. Lee.
1: Is there a place where, uh, I don't have my Bible in front of me, but where... Somebody's grabbing, one of the women is like grabbing Jesus and he says, hey, back off. I haven't got my new body or whatever.
0: That's, uh, I believe that's Mary Magdalene. And yes, is that, where is that? Is that, Mitchell, where are we looking at? John 20. Here we go. 11, starting at 11. John 20, starting at verse 11. Yeah, I only read the portions in the four gospels that dealt with the women. So you're, it's just the next occurrence John adds in. John twenty eleven, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. So she apparently goes back to the tomb after reporting to the disciples. She misses all of the exciting drama. <laughs> She's there just weeping. And she saw two angels in white. So now we got two angels. So John agrees with Luke, two angels. Two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have ta- laid him. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said to her these things to her. But I'm not fully prepared in this moment to tell you what I think the significance of don't cling to me is, but I'll be happy to look into that at another time. Um, okay, Questions? Any further questions on this? Elsa does.
3: Is there any uh, significance to um,
2: John saying his face cloth was separate?
3: Oh, yeah. He's the only
2: one that
4: mentioned. Oh, yes.
0: That. Again, it indicates, um, the <laughs> it indicates the care that takes place here. Grave robbers didn't come and grab a body, the clothes are neatly folded up. The, the, the wrappings are taken off. The, the face cloth's been folded. I mean, this picture of the resurrected Lord. And that's another interesting thing. None of the Gospels actually record the event of the resurrection itself. All four of the Gospels show up with it having taken place between verses. So we're left to guess. Did Jesus fold the garments himself, or did an angel do it? I, I don't know. But, but again, if the, if the going story is grave robbers or body snatchers, a folded cloth on, on the shelf doesn't really coincide with that very well. It's just further evidence something unusual is going on. It's further evidence.
1: Isn't that uh, like evidence of the perfect man that he tidied up after himself? <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're going to move on. Um, so, Okay. 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 Any further questions on the topic of synchronization? Oh, Wanda, I have got a couple other things we can go to as well. So this was in
1: relation to the cloth. I had read that that was a to fold a napkin was a Jewish tradition, meaning I'm coming back. Is that an old wives un- tale But I it
0: may be, but I'm unfamiliar okay. with it, so okay. I, I have nothing to say to that. I don't. I neither deny nor affirm. Other questions about harmonizing the timing? And, and I can point you in the directions of some harmonizations in books. If you've got a study the Bible, they, they deal with that well. There's a Harmony of the Gospels. I have a copy of in my office that's helpful. Um, I assure you, as much as it may look like a big, insurmountable problem up front, the church has been aware of this since the beginning. And it, it's not like some... You, sometimes you'll talk to people today who as if they just 2,000 years later discovered... Like, ah, but what about, you know? And like, oh, yeah, no one, Cyprian, Augustine, those guys never thought of this, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yes, Linda?
1: Um, to answer, or maybe, yeah. give some, just what my notes say about what Lee was asking about. okay They've got two different, it says, The meaning appears to be that the ascension was still some time off. Mary would have opportunity to see Jesus again, so she didn't need to cling to him. Or, Jesus may be reminding Mary that after his crucifixion, she cannot have him with her except through the Holy Spirit.
0: And that's MacArthur's study Bible? No. Okay. That is the unidentified study notes that are not MacArthur. Okay. Oh, by the way, here's a plug for my old pastor, John MacArthur. If you have a chance, he was interviewed by Ben Shapiro, and uh, after about 10 or 15 minutes of Ben Shapiro trying to get him to talk politics, he spends 45 minutes preaching Christ from the Old Testament to a practicing Jew. He is bold, he is kind, and I heartily recommend checking it out. So, and you can, He's got a YouTube channel, you can YouTube it up, but I was thoroughly encouraged watching that. I, I enjoyed it. Um, okay, any other questions about the harmonization? Oh, Jacob, well, Elsa, then Jacob. Elsa, I got it first, Jacob. And she's a lady. You ladies first.
2: I yield the floor.
0: Jacob yields the floor. Okay.
2: I just, on that note. Oh, dear. For people who have Netflix, I don't know if you've seen, they brought out four Netflix movies on the four Gospels. Oh, no. And it's actually very, very good. Christ is actually played by a Jew, looks like a Jew. (laughs) It's very authentic. He's a man with emotion. It's really, really. And all they do is they read from verse 1, through the gospel, and then they enact it. Yes, they speak in Aramaic in the background.
0: It is really very good. Okay. You've heard it from also, folks. Okay.
2: Jacob. Okay. um, John 20. Uh It seems like Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb, sees... That the stone's taken away, then runs and tells Peter, Peter and John race back to the tomb, or sorry, the, the unknown apostle, the unknown disciple, who turns almost out certainly to be John, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost certainly John. Um, who naturally wins the foot race, but doesn't go in. Peter goes in, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, when they're done, the disciples go back to the home after seeing this. Then the narrative returns to Mary, who's still at the tomb, which... Doesn't seem super unlikely to me that she'd come, see it, run and tell them. They all run to the, or at least some of them, run to the tomb. Then she is outside the tomb weeping, stands and sees the angel. So to me, that seems plausible. Are you saying that, I mean, I never got a sense from you what the chronology of events are. There's two
0: possibilities. Um, I'll tell you which one I favor. One possibility, I think I was listening to MacArthur, this is his view. Peter goes to the tomb twice. So, so that would simply have um, Mary Magdalene show up first with just the account of body snatchers. They've taken his body. Peter and John run to the tomb, go in and see. They come back. Then the other ladies show up. Because it's helpful that even though John says, while well, dark, is just Mary Magdalene, which strongly suggests that she's first. She gets there first, right? Um, so in that reading, which is feasible, it's just the other possibility is Mary Magdalene comes, they took the body of our Lord. John doesn't say immediately they got up and left, so they went up and went. If in that time period the rest of the women show up, then they go. There's only one trip to the tomb, and Mary Magdalene either follows behind them or you know comes with them or whatever, and then they leave and she hangs around. Those are the two possible time frames that, that would work with that. Um, I tend to think the second one's better, although its problem is, why don't they mention it? And somehow she doesn't pick up the, either she doesn't believe the report of the women or she didn't, Hear it? I don't know. That—that's the problem. There, John's, John as usual makes it the trickiest to figure stuff out, which is frustrating.
2: Yeah. So, are you saying then, and, and then I'll yield the floor? Um, are you saying then that there's two? So, so Mary comes, then goes and tells the disciples. Yes. Some of them come back. Also, some other women naturally come back to see what happened. So this, the women being there—that seems like one event or one arrival in the other Gospels—really could be two or more, kind of joined into one, with the apostles coming and going in between.
0: Yeah. So, so one possibility is when can, Luke says these. Can I for yeah.
2: Um, can you just give like what you think? The is
0: and one the that... Yes, I think. A bunch of women agree to meet up at the tomb at dawn, and they arrive over 10, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, they don't have stopwatches. F- fine-tune accuracy is nearly impossible. Jo- I think Joanna gets there first. So Luke can say these women went to the tomb, and he's entirely accurate. Not jo- Joanna Mary. Mary. Joanna shows up. No Joanna goes and Luke. Well, she is, but, but Mary, Magdalene. Mary, Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joanna. right? That's Luke. They're all women. They go to the tomb. And in a big sense, over a period of 20 minutes, they all go to the tomb. Luke's just summarizing, these women went to the tomb. This happened with an angel. Then they went and told the apostles, right? In actuality, what I'm suggesting, let me make it as tightly as I can, Mary Magdalene shows up first of this group. And upon seeing the empty tomb, she doesn't stick around. She leaves and goes and reports to the apostles. The rest of the women show up, have the encounter with the angel. They go and tell the apostles. Either Peter goes to the tomb of John when Mary Magdalene reports, or after Mary Magdalene shows up, the rest of the women show up as well, and then they go. One of those two things happens. That's what I'm suggesting the chronology is, as best as I can as, I, I, as best as I can piece it together. Would
1: this also mean that Mary Magdalene kind of has a? Goes to the tomb twice?
0: Well, John has her go to the tomb twice. So in John, he just lists Mary Magdalene going. She goes to the tomb. She goes and she tells Peter. And then in verse 11, she's at the tomb again. So John has two trips to the tomb for Mary. I mean, she, presumably she's just sad and she's mourning. Where am I going to go? She's like a lost puppy. You know, I'll go hang out by the tomb because I'm sad and confused. And so, so John, that's not a problem there because John has Mary go twice, unquestionably. Um, and Peter,
3: too, goes
0: twice? No. Peter, Peter either goes once or twice, depending on, how you, depending on how you take it. I tend to think once. If it, the problem, both of them have a problem. The problem with once is, why does John not mention the other women showing up? And the further information they would add. Because they add, as we see in Luke, the testimony of the angels, right? But there's no mention of that in John. So, the difficulty of saying what I'm proposing, which is the other women then show up 10, 15, 20 minutes later, is that there's no mention of that, what would be significant added information. The, the problem with two trips is it looks weird as well. You're going, getting up, running, going to twi- then coming back, the women show up, he gets up and he goes again. And both of them emphasizing he sees the face. Wall. Entirely possible, but that's, that's the problematic nature there. But you, I think you have to pick one of those two, which is, you know, a difficulty. I don't think it's, it's like, this is irresolvable. It's just there's something, something unusual is going on with the timing here. And the writers, by focusing in on what they want to focus on, make harmonization more difficult. Um, yes, Sarah? So why wouldn't Mary have seen an angel? If the angel opened the tomb and was hanging out there... Why would he not have been there when Mary showed up? He may have. Part of what we've got in this text is people seeing things, not seeing things, seeing things but not understanding what they're seeing. So Mary sees Jesus and thinks he's the gardener. I mean, so and Mary doesn't see an angel. Either the angel didn't want to be seen by Mary, or Mary wasn't looking there, or Mary thought he was the gardener's assistant. I don't know. But in a text where people are seeing people and misunderstanding who they are, Mary not seeing something isn't a big problem for me. When you harmonize all four of the texts, like no, no, fair enough, that's another good observation. But since plenty of people in the combined accounts are misunderstanding what they're seeing, having having Mary be one further addition in that list isn't a big problem. Um, I thought you said you were done.
2: I didn't notice any other questions. Um, so, <laughs> just, just a quick one. I mean, this is just fun. Mm-hmm, you know? I mean, mm-hmm, we all mm-hmm. trust and believe that Scripture doesn't make errors, and right. so we're just figuring out, yeah, yeah. okay, they're all telling the truth. How exactly does it fit together? Right, right. So yeah. it's, just, it's just interesting to see how complex and intricate God's mind is. But um, Okay, so back to John. Mary Magdalene, it seems... From just John. Yeah. Mary Magdalene comes, goes and tells only Peter and John. That's verse 2. Yep. Then they come check out the tomb. She's back again, uh, weeping. Then Jesus appears to her after she sees the two angels in the tomb. Then Jesus appears to her, and Jesus then tells her, Go, uh, uh, verse 17, do not oh. cling to me. I have not yet ascended. Go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene and went, announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Yes. And that he had said. The, so her first announcement is just to Peter and John. Her second announcement is to the disciples.
0: Yes. So under the scenario where the women follow, she just meets with Peter and John, presumably takes off, which would explain why she doesn't hear the message of the other women. The rest of the women show up, tell everybody. Peter gets up and goes, John with him. And then they have their interaction. And then sometime later, Mary's back at the tomb weeping when she has her encounter with the angels. We know that multiple reports are coming in because in Luke, when the, uh, the travelers on the road to Emmaus come back, Jesus has already appeared to Peter. It's really odd that Luke mentions that and never records it and that none of the other gospel writers record that. So Luke is referencing an event That no gospel records. No, Paul does. does. In, I believe, 1 Corinthians 15. Let's check it out. No, in 1 Corinthians 15, this will add some insight because it's the chapter on the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 gives us further details. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of them are still alive. Now that appearing to Cephas is referenced in Luke. Go back to Luke 24. We just don't know when that happens. Sometime, so yeah, so Luke 24. And like I said, this is part of what I was trying to wrap my head around. Like, why is Luke presenting the material the way he is? What's his point? What's he getting at? Why does he reference events he doesn't tell, narrate the story to? And so in Luke 24, we have the Emmaus encounter. These guys, even though they just took a seven-mile trip, get up and immediately come back to Jerusalem because what happened is so significant. Um, and verse 33 They arose, went that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the 11 together with those who were with them together, saying, and I take the saying to be what the 11 are saying. They're telling the guys on the road to Emmaus, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they, the travelers to Emmaus, told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. When did he appear to Simon? Somewhere between between when Peter last showed up in verse 12 and this trip to Emmaus. I don't know where and when. Paul confirms it in 1 Corinthians 15. I have no idea where and when that happens. It's just just odd. But hey, that's what Luke wants to focus on, which adds further confirmation and further indicts why they're still doubting so the news is starting to go, but people are having a hard time believing it. Basically, is what's going on in Luke. But um, any any further questions on timing? Okay. Yes. Oh, who we got? We got Trinity.
4: So um, I had read or read and listened to a, um, a sermon on like those little discrepancies that you see like within the Bible. Yeah. And when you um, view them through like a historical accuracy lens, um, because this historian who like was once an atheist became a Christian after like studying the Bible as like a historical record, those little like discrepancies in the Bible actually make things more historically accurate because people have those different perceptions. And so like, if they were all the same, then we could argue that, oh, it was just this person copying this person or it yeah. was all written by the same person. But by having it written by so many different people in those different perspectives actually makes it more historically accurate because you have, oh, this is one person's perception of what happened. This is this person's perception of what happened. And because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and were real human beings and had like their eyeballs to like see things with that's what allows the bible to have like even more authenticity to it
0: no no you're absolutely right we're in a scenario when it comes to skeptics where you can't win if they all lined up perfectly the scholars would say see this is evidence that they copied each other it's a plot no absolutely that's what you would have the fact that there's the fact that there's these difficulties only argues against the fact that this is just made-up propaganda. If you're just making it propaganda, get your stories straight. Um, Somehow, God in his wisdom has ordained that these accounts be recorded in ways that can be harmonized, but frankly, are difficult to harmonize, which, again, suggests this isn't a scam. Um, John certainly is aware of the other Gospels when he writes and for him to tell his story, and if, it's, if this is just fabrication, he does a really poor job of it. Um, and, and, and likewise with Luke. No, exactly what you're saying is right. These are the marks of authenticity because all the little details don't line up neatly. You've got to figure, okay, how does this work? It precisely indicates, no, they're writing down what was told to them by eyewitness accounts, and so all those difficulties that initially are there are there. A- absolutely. Yes, Gary.
2: I don't, to me, it seems like, uh, I don't know why, to me, it seems like the stone was only removed so that they could go in and look and see that he was gone.
0: Yes, I was, I was listening uh, to Pastor MacArthur last night, and he said, the stone wasn't removed to let Jesus out. It was moved to let them in. Jesus can walk through walls. He can appear in front of, after the resurrection, a stone's not limiting him. This is to let people in to see the confirmation of the empty tomb. The yeah, stone's moved to let them in. He yeah. could have,
2: wa- just like you said, he could yeah. have walked through the stone, absolutely. went to wherever he wanted to, and talked to him anywhere he wanted to. In 2026, he walked through the locked doors.
0: Right, absolutely. So, it's, so, The stone gets moved because God wants it to be evident his son is raised. That's why the stone is moved. Okay, one last question. One last question. So that whoa, whoa, microphone. Yeah. Look, six people are very anxious that you get on that microphone.
1: Well, I don't want to disappoint them then. So, so why is it that this appearance that the, the travelers from Emmaus um, talk about, the appearance of, of, of Jesus to Simon, is a different one than the one at the tomb? Why is it a different appear, appearance? When
0: does Jesus appear to Simon at the tomb? Well, in John, it, he does, doesn't he? He appears to uh, no. He appears to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And he appears was... to the women, and is it Mark or Matthew on the way to the apostles?
2: That's right. He never did see Jesus.
0: No. So Sorry, there's an appearance that. to Cephas, to Peter, that we don't have recorded, but we have twice confirmation that it occurred, and it occurred before he appeared to the disciples. So somewhere before his appearing in the upper room, he appears to Peter. We don't know where and when that is. Sarah, I'll let you sneak in with one more question. That microphone, though. On the microphone. All right, so it mentions a lot that their eyes are blinded to understanding who he is, who the angels yeah, are. Yeah. Why are their eyes blinded? And then why are people rebuked for not understanding? Mm. Oh, dear, we don't have time for this. I'll give you the one-minute <laughs> The one minute answer is this. God's word consistently portrays Divine sovereignty and human responsibility as as good friends. So we're told both, he opened their eyes, but the text shows us why they scattered. Jesus warned them, Satan's gunning for you. He told them twice, pray, they don't. Instead, they argue about who's the greatest. So we've been given reasons in the text. Why would these guys be so stupid? Well, because they didn't humble themselves, realize their frailty, ask God for help. So the narrative has given us the reasons why these guys fail, even though we're told it takes Jesus opening their minds for them to understand the Scripture. So, yeah, there's a sovereignty of God at work in this, but we plainly see their responsibility and their, for their failure. So we can't say, it's not their fault because God didn't open their eyes. No, it's totally their fault. He warned them. He warned them twice, the three times. And they had opportunity to pray and ask for help, and they didn't. So that's the one-minute answer. What you're really asking is about the mystery of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. There's a sermon series. We did on that a few years ago. You can check that out if you want to go further, or we can talk afterwards. We are at our time's end. You are dismissed. Thank you.